Good morning. Hello. <laughs> Okie dokie. So today's episode, uh, I think it's going to be really interesting. So what I wanted to make an episode on, I w- kind of fell down a rabbit hole of that one. So I was going to talk about Steve Bannon, uh, who he is, why he got arrested recently by the Biden administration and why. So the reason that he got arrested, nobody's been arrested for that for 40 years. And so like, it's not a typical thing to be arrested. It seems like it was a political hit. Anyways, I was going to talk about that, but in diving in the rabbit hole that is Steve Bannon, I developed a much more interesting topic that I wanted to cover because I think it's fascinating. Um, and so, and it's and it's super relevant to today. So we're talking today about traditionalism, capital T traditionalism. And so hearing that word, you probably think that it's a different thing than what it actually is. So traditionalism as a philosophy, um, it was started around the World War II-ish era, like a little before by two guys, mainly René Guénon and Julius Evola. Guénon is a French guy, Evola is an Italian, and they kind of represent the two different aspects of traditionalism um, based both on kind of like how they lived their lives and then what they believed uh, that they shared. So in terms of what they shared, the foundation of traditionalism is best described or or best kind of explained by this concept of cycles. So traditionalists took the concept of cycles from Hinduism in the sense that the Hindus believe that there are these four cycles that take thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of years for each to pass. And so we don't see them in our daily lives, but that they exist in this abstract sense. And so the traditionalists took these four cycles and they modernized them and they brought them to, you know, they made them shorter so that we see them in like our normal cycles of civilization and they're applicable to the way that you know civilizations exist now and so how these cycles work is there are four of them and each one is a different cycle that represents a caste within like the caste system that is the world right and so there are four castes there are four cycles and each cycle is a civilization that exists and then collapse and then takes rise to the next cycle of civilization and they always go in a descending order right from the best cycle slash caste which is priest down to the last cycle slash caste and so that's the way that the traditionalist view the cycles of civilization as well as the stratification of people on earth okay so those four cycles in traditionalism, uh, they go as this. So the best one is priest, right? So it's the priest cycle slash the priest caste. The next one is the warrior cycle slash caste. Then the merchant cycle slash caste, slave cycle slash caste. Okay, so that's how the traditionalists view the world in a very broad sense. Um, another part of traditionalism that's very important is the fact that the original traditionalists don't believe that they have much of an effect on, if any effect at all, on the cycles and they're passing in and out, right? They just believe that you have to kind of understand and observe this in the world and then live your best life knowing, like understanding those cycles, make the right choices, which typically is to like encourage and join the priest caste. That's their idea. And so um, Rene Guénon, so these, this is, that's where they, that's kind of what, what they share, those two guys, right? And so what they differ is when Rene Guénon kind of focuses on the tradition side. So the reason it's called traditionalism is because they believe that since the priest caste is the best caste, that what the individual should do is revoke modernism, which is another big part of traditionalism. So for them, what modernism means is anything that is pretty much, it, it's described as this, like individualism is modernism bad, right? Materialism, modernism, bad. Um, 
imperialism, modernism, bad, right? The destruction of the family, modernism, bad, right? So anything that has to do with modernity, they think is bad for the human soul and should be revoked in place of the tradition. So what the tradition is, it's like the best, it's the the ancient, purest form of religion. And so it's like, they, so they think that that is the, the most noble choice you can make is to revoke modernism, revoke your individuality, and assume the tradition. The thing is, is they don't think that the tradition in the sense of like the ancient perfect religion exists anymore. But they do think that you can find something close with some of these like really intense religions, right? For example, Guanan revoked his modernity and joined the Sufi Muslims. He also really likes the Hare Krishna, um, obviously Hinduism, right? And so that's that's how Guanan did his that's how he practiced his traditionalism evola practiced in a different sense evola focused on specifically the caste stratification of the world and how it applies to everybody else right and it's like a way to see the world so he was a he was actually part of the so he didn't have a large say in the philosophy of (laughs) mussolini's fascism but he was part of the cabinet in mussolini's fascism right so he agrees with that view of the world he's racist not good right um, you know, authoritarian, all that stuff. So those are the two guys that started traditionalism. The thing is, is after them, traditionalism didn't really do anything. Like nobody cared. It was a super small portion of people who even knew about this philosophy, let alone believed it, right? And so it was kind of a very underground, nobody really cared about it philosophy for a really long time up until literally about like maybe five years ago. And that's why this gets super interesting. It's the revival of modernist traditionalism that I want to talk about, okay? Um, And something to keep in mind about the original traditionalists is that they, just to emphasize, did not believe that they could affect the cycles. They just thought the cycles existed and you had to make your choices within that realm, okay? Um, So about five years ago, five different people tended to come to prominence. Two of them five years ago, one of them probably earlier than that. So they are Steve Bannon, the guy that got me in this whole rabbit hole to begin with, Alexander Dugan, who's a Russian, and I, I don't even know how to pronounce this dude's last name. It's, it's Olavo de Carvalho. He's Brazilian. I just call him Olavo. Okay? So those three guys in the last five years have like have gained a ton of power. Okay? And so the best way to describe – actually, I'll get to that in a second. So just a little background on both of these guys. Steve Bannon uh, started in the military, really smart dude, went to join Goldman Sachs, which is a, a investment banking firm. Uh, was really smart. They sent him to California to learn how to make money in the entertainment industry. He did that really well. He left Goldman Sachs, started his own firm, um, and obviously made a lot of money. He ended up meeting Andrew Breitbart, Breitbart, who they together formed uh, Breitbart News. Breitbart News, and specifically Andrew Breitbart, was kind of this revolution in conservatism, right? It made conservatism modern, cool, actionable, instead of just like stuffy old stuff that it was in the past. Um, So that's conservatism in the U.S., um, and that's how it was changed by Andrew Breitbart. It was kind of this cultural revolution on the right. Um, So that's Steve Bannon. And so when Andrew Breitbart died unexpectedly, Steve Bannon became the CEO of Breitbart News. So he was kind of this like strong, important figure in conservatism, okay? Um, So that's what he was for a long time. And then Donald Trump decides to run, and Steve Bannon sees Donald Trump and is like, oh, that guy's a different kind of conservative. He's the kind of conservative that I think I could – like one is going to do good stuff, and two, I think I could help – I could align myself with him or better said, he can align with me politically, conceptually, philosophically, right? And so I'm going to go help him. So he joins the Trump campaign, becomes the leader of the Trump campaign, and it's obviously – you never know – 
why people win. So it's hard to say if how much Steve Bannon had to do with Trump winning, but Trump won and Steve Bannon was the head of his campaign. So probably he probably had something to do with it, right? Anyways, um, Steve Bannon from being the leader of the Trump campaign becomes Trump's strategic advisor in the White House, okay? So he's the head of strategy at the White House in the Trump presidency for the first seven months. So within the first couple months, pretty quickly this kind of rivalry between Jared Kushner who's Trump's son-in-law, and Steve Bannon forms to the point where Steve Bannon, you know, Jared Kushner wins, Steve Bannon gets ousted after seven months and kind of gets shunted from the White House. From there, it's hard to say exactly what happens. Nobody really knows exactly how much connection he has with Trump and how much influence he still has, but he becomes kind of a, you know, back to the way he was doing conservatism in the past, like his activism style. Anyways, so he's very, he's still a very large player in conservatism, a much larger voice now, to the point where until... You know, as I mentioned at the beginning, he got arrested uh, for contempt of Congress uh, about a month or so ago. And so that's that's Steve Bannon, okay? Alexander Dugan, he has kind of a, a more mysterious past in the sense that when he was young, he was running with these. So he was, when he was young, he was super anti-communist to the point where he was pro-Nazi. Like he considered himself a Nazi um, just to be anti-communist. But as he kind of got older, he adopted communism and became a Nazi and a communist um, because what he realized in his mind, his true enemy was Western civilization, Western individuality, right? So, and you know, that kind of gives you clues that where his mind is at even then because, you know, that's modernity. He's rejecting modernity with his own his own form of, of government authoritarianism, right? Um, so you can see that influence already. Um, so he kind of he he is a Russian. He starts the <laughs> the communist Nazi party in Russia. I don't think it goes anywhere, right? But that tells you where he stands. So Alexander Dugin has actually no he has no actual place in the Russian government. Like he doesn't have a position, but he's known as one of the most influential figures in Russian politics and philosophy. So he is a philosopher. He writes a lot of books, um, and he considers himself a traditionalist. And those books are often, you know, read, distributed within the government, and they they go to they kind of whatever Dugan says tends to be what is adopted by. Sorry to drink some water, uh, is tends to be adopted by the government in terms of like their approach to the world. Okay, the last guy is Olavo. Olavo is a Brazilian, so he was good friends with the current president of Brazil, and had a huge, you know, a huge. Uh, role to play in this guy becoming president. It was very much a populist kind of grassroots uprising in politics, and they would do a lot of Facebook lives together and stuff like that. And so Olavo has, he has currently a massive following in Brazil and has a lot to do with the current administration, right? So those are the three big traditionalists who, you know, traditionalism was nothing until these three guys just all of a sudden rose to power, like out of nowhere, right? Um, and so what makes modern traditionalism different from, you know, historical traditionalism, okay? So Steve Bannon's version of traditionalism, so, I, okay, so the, these three guys, they they share the same foundations of the original traditionalists in the sense that they view the cycles as the way to understand the world, right? They view the caste as very real and very apparent in our world today. And they view a return to spirituality as the main, as pretty much their main goal, right? And so that's that's what they those three share. What they're a little different is Steve Bannon is probably the least, um, 
like define traditionalist in the sense that his excuse me traditionalism pretty much stops there so he believes in you know the cycles and that he has a role to play in bringing back the pre-cycle through the slave cycle that we're currently in that's represented in in modernity right and so that's what he's trying to do and and he's trying to bring back the spirituality into the people so that's why he directed the trump campaign in a way to really focus on you know the disenfranchised and those people is because he truly believes in a religious sense that those people have the most spiritual potential and will be kind of the priest class of the future which is fascinating right olavo he believes it in a similar way, right? He thinks that modernity is bad and that the people, the grassroots people, are the ones who have the spiritual potential to rise up and be that priest class again, which is fascinating. Dugan's a little different in that his traditionalism has to do with, you know, so he talks about spirituality, right? Like they need to bring back spirituality, but his is much more political in the sense that there's government, there's a role of the government, okay? And so the way Dugan sees um kind of the way that traditionalism needs to be enacted now is two concepts right one is anti-liberalism and the other is multipolarity so anti-liberalism is pretty explainable right rejection of the individual right and the subjugation of the individual to this tradition this spirituality that's what he wants to see another thing he wants to see is multipolarity what that means is that there's no one true like power in the world right like the u.s imperialism or the way china's approaching things he wants these governments to reduce power so that all these governments around the world can buy kind of be like the same level of power and then nobody really runs the world but instead it's just a bunch of nations who have very distinct cultures and do their own thing and kind of live right and so that's that's the way that he sees the role of traditionalism in politics and that's what he tries to do so the reason he's super anti-west is because he sees the west as the dominant culture that's making all the other cultures kind of be subjugated for them right and so he wants to break the west to allow these other cultures to rise multipolarity to happen and he thinks that the destruction of individualism is the way to do that which the west represents okay so these are those three guys and that's the way that they see the world um and so that's it's a lot it's a lot of background right but where does modern traditionalism differ from historical traditionalism classical traditionalism we might call it so it's the biggest difference is the fact that the modern traditionalists believe that they can affect the cycles and bring in the pre-cycle right they believe that they can do that whereas the original traditionalists just thought that you had to kind of you know hold on for the ride and so steve bannon olavo and dugan mostly steve bannon and olavo or sorry steve bannon and dugan actually are actively trying to bring out to bring to pass the pre-cycle they want that to happen and that's that's their goal in politics right isn't that crazy and so this uh this obviously sounds super kind of out there and random but it makes a lot of sense right because there's been a ton of disillusionment in the west as of recent and trump's presidency and the response from the left it seems like all around the world there's been this kind of like populist ups rising right like there are there are less democracies today than there were two years ago which is crazy right like people are actively going backwards in the sense of like anti-liberal ideas and it seems like those are gaining a lot of traction and becoming a lot more popular and olavo bannon and dugan had a lot to do with that okay 
And so this super obscure philosophy from like some really not probably not awesome people, right, is making a comeback in the sense that it's really just a revolt away from the way philosophy is done currently, right? And so I think this is just the beginning. I think that this is going to become a lot more mainstream if it's traditionalism or not. I'm assuming that traditionalism is going to be kind of if, if if not called traditionalism, it's the the idea of the ideas of traditionalism are the ones that are going to kind of run this whole anti-liberal philosophy direction. Um, but whatever it is, I think we're going to see a marked decline in Western liberal philosophy, for better or worse. I'm not making judgment calls here. And a rise in anti-liberal philosophies, mostly something that probably is oriented around spirituality like traditionalism and is anti-individual in nature okay and so that's where i think it's going and so i I explained through those three guys how it's affecting politics and it seems like it's affecting politics before it's affecting widespread culture which is really interesting right um because people even though they elected trump through probably a bannon lens of philosophy right dugans has a lot of influence in russia and olavo in brazil i don't think these people actively know that this is what they're getting into right i think it's just that this these ideas that these people are putting forward sound really good and they just so happen to come from traditionalism when they recognize the foundational philosophy of this i think it's going to become a much broader thing right and this i've been planning on making this episode for a little while and it's literally just this whole theory was confirmed two days ago right so joe rogan i I don't have i don't use instagram but i saw this kind of in a roundabout way he posted on Instagram and Joe Rogan, right? He's the biggest podcaster in the world. He is a massive voice in terms of, um, you know, just culture generally, specifically culture in America. And two days ago, on what would that be? So that would be the 27th of November, which is a what is that? A Saturday. He posts something on Instagram, and he says, which is wild. This is literally. He doesn't say traditionalism, but this is literally just straight out of the traditionalist philosophy book. He starts out, so it's a picture of that, like, you know, that, that grid. It's authoritarian on top, libertarian bottom, left, and then right. And it's kind of like the political grid of where you lie. And it goes in circles, strong ta- strong men, good times, weak men, hard times, and just that circle around the grid. And he says, we are in Kali Yuga, the age of conflict. All the chaos we are seeing right now was predicted in Hinduism thousands of years ago. Civilizations move in predictable cycles, and we are in the lower left-hand square of the chart, right? Which is to say, we are in the slave cycle. Do you... Do your best to elevate yourself and the world around you from the madness that is in the air, but understand that this is insanity is all part of an infinite process, right? So the way that the traditionalists and the Hindus specifically talk about the slave cycle, they call it the Kali Yuga, right? So this philosophy has literally gotten into Joe Rogan, who's one of the the biggest proponents or biggest names and faces in modern in the modern world. And so I think this is just the beginning. I think this is the beginning of a revolution in philosophy. There's going to be much more diversity of thought for better or worse. And I think there's going to be a lot of change in the way that people view the world. I think something pretty wild is coming. And I think this is just the beginnings. And so now you guys understand the foundations of it all and how it got to be here. Um, and I think this is fascinating. I hope you liked it. I know there was a ton I had to cover. And so I know this might be a longer one and I might have talked fast. But I hope it was it all made sense and was succinct. Um, so yeah, if you thought this was interesting, I, th- I thought this whole topic was fascinating. Please share. Um, because I think that this is, I think this is a really important subject. Um, okie dokie. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Bye.